2: Hello and welcome back to Supercoach Edge. Now, Liam, we've had some great fun so far across forwards week and ruck week, if you couldn't mm. tell, of course, by some of our ridiculous memes <laughs> that we've also been rolling out across socials, uh, namely the other uh, Captain uh, Gaundy one, which is absolutely mm. ridiculous. But we don't apologize for that. It's just uh, yeah. just the way we are. But uh, now, it had to be exactly right, Liam, had to be done. But now it's time to delve into the area that forms the juiciest, meatiest part of our teams in midfield week, where we kick things off with mid primos, Liam.
1: Yes. Exciting week. Expensive week. Yeah, <laughs> expensive very expensive <true>. week. Um, <laughs> We've got our wallets open. The, yeah. I don't know. I reckon there's some value to be had here though. Like mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think it's like most years. I think it's gonna be an interesting year. Um yeah. in the mids. I don't think we'll be looking to necessarily the top guys or the top price guys necessarily, looking more to some not value options, but players who are sort of on that breakout. Um, into the Uber Primo. But uh, before we do kick off, let's run through the social channels so you can see those ridiculous memes that we are talking about. But uh, first off, if you're listening to us, sorry, on the podcast form and not in the visual form of our vodcast on YouTube, uh, you can search Supercoach Edge on YouTube. And please don't forget to subscribe to be notified. And, uh, our content drops from week to week and during the preseason from uh, mid midweek as well. Mm, uh, exactly on right. twitter you can find us at, at supercoach underscore edge, david at, at demoj88 myself at, at liam evans underscore 95 and if you search supercoach edge on facebook instagram and tiktok you will find us there
2: very nice well as we mentioned we have some absolute juice to squeeze from this app. as you take a uh, a nice sip of uh, your own juice there in of the form of gypsy max yes <laughs> or is that some rookie juice that's no, pig juice oh it's pig juice pig juice of course yep just um, looks awfully with awfully troubles. dark looks awfully dark <laughs> and black is that the uh is that like the midnight version of like clory's yeah. uh offset yes.
1: exactly. yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know the red Ooh. label black it's a black label black label um yeah piggy yeah piggy yeah. juice of mm. course yes we do have some juice to squeeze from this episode so, squeeze me shell liam so what do you say uh do you want to kick us off Yes, let's
1: kick off. And we're going to kick off with our first mid-primo today. The most expensive player, not only in the midfield, but in Supercoach in general. And it is Le Bont, uh, obviously Marcus Pontapelli, mid-eligible, and he is priced at an average of 129.7 from 2023. He had a career-best season in Supercoach, which came off the back of some rather high mm. career highs, CBAs, which was up from 58% the year before, and 7.5 tackles a game. Such was the dominance that he did eclipse the 100-plus points in all but one of his 23 games and went 120-plus in 15 of those games too. So absolute captaincy option there. So it's no surprise that he comes in as the most expensive player in the game, but the big danger in investing in him is that investing can throw out your team structure with so much of your salary cap allocated to one player. I'm not saying don't do it though. I'm not saying don't mm. do it.
2: It reminds me a bit of, you know, the, the salary cap issues that teams have had in the past. Brody oh, Brady yeah. at Collingwood, classic one, yep. you know, Traor, making yeah, uh Collingwood, basically. Yeah, exactly that era. So Stevenson. you don't want to be you don't want to be so in real life there's there's issues. So and it, it can carry across into supercoach as well. Mm. So you know, it's uh, despite exactly. the quality, despite the quality. But yeah, we have to, um, we've got to be wise with our spendings.
1: Um, It's also important to note that in the past, uh, the most expensive players have actually dropped um, in price at an average of 163.7K across the previous three seasons. Mm. Um, Discounting 2023, when Clary was the most expensive and did get injured. In 2022, McRae lost 163.6K in total by the end of the season. McCray, bless his soul. Mm. And likewise, in 2021, Gorn dropped 184.9K while Grundy lost 142.7K in 2020. What this Mm. does indicate is that it's such a high starting price, it's nearly impossible to match the equivalent average that you're priced at in the first three games in order to hold your price first up. So a drop is basically inevitable if even one of those games is below par. Put that out across, you know, the season two or three times, and it doesn't take long for the starting price to be whittled down. Mm. I think it's also important to think with that as well that the players generally, when they've you know they're priced as the most expensive player, they've had a career best season, mm. and that's what's pushed them up there. So that's it's hard to maintain that you know, over, over multiple seasons. And that's yep. why, I guess, the most expensive player in each position is, or starting each of those players, is fraught with danger just due to the likelihood of a depreciation of those players. We do have to note, though, he did also undergo minor postseason ankle surgery, but it was merely a clean-up and didn't seem to impact his pre-season preparation at all. If anything, it's a good thing to ensure he is in absolute tip-top shape, like uh, sending the uh, Ferrari into the uh mechanics to get service. Yeah,
2: exactly, a bit of a tune Spe- up.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Speaking further in terms of value and upside, he doesn't present much obviously with 2023 likely a career high not alone, you know, in general, mm. not just a career best so far. He'll be unable to surpass you did think potentially. Could he come close to matching it probably? Maybe, perhaps, don't know. Mm. But again, are you willing to pay the price compared to spending a little less on a player that holds upside of perhaps? matching bond or getting relatively close. I'm going to throw to you for the verdict, Damon, because mm-hmm. I feel like I've been talking for a long time.
2: No, but you've all very good points, all very good points, Liam. And uh, I guess just sort of regurgitating what's uh, repeating what you've you've mentioned there. So as we touched on, so his, his price point, I think is probably a little bit too hard to justify spending mm. for knowing uh he'll almost inevitably drop in price but uh, i guess no denying his absolute quality especially as a weekly captaincy option as you mentioned like you know that week in week out you kind of it's a bit of a bonus for what you're paying for um so don't mind that but you know as i said we know that he's elite but i really can't see him eclipsing his career best season average come back to bite him in the ass and uh, who knows knows, he could actually by the end of the season surpass it but you know I think I would prefer to spend the money uh, and spread it out across my team in strengthening other areas of my team and perhaps opt for a cheaper midfielder that holds more value and upside because like we said, we 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 just don't have the funds to be getting the you know the higher price plays in every single line. I mean, you can, but in doing so, it means you're not going to have enough money to bring in sort of you know enough quality that's spread out across the rest of your team. So you've got to be smart with your money. And I think you could probably, if you wanted to, invest in a bond. And um, despite the fact that he may be losing price, at least you're paying for that that quality in knowing that, yeah, he's going to give you those captaincy scores week in, week mm. out. So I don't mind it if you want to go down that route, but like we said, with inevitable depreciation at some point or another, I think I'll try and get him in. But again, as to how, um, I'm going to have to almost trade two maxed cash cows, I think, to try and get him in. And maybe even then using someone like a Matt Crouch as a stepping stone or, or an Amon mm-hmm. or something like that. So... You got to think about that side of things as well. It's going to be awfully hard to try and get him in. Um, but yeah, you just got to try and time it, I think. And uh, for me, um, you've got to you got to skimp somewhere, I think. And it's kind of like last year with with me, for example, going: Do I go for Laird or go, do I go for Oliver? Couldn't couldn't fit both of my team. I went for Laird um, and was kind of kicking myself uh, not going for Oliver because Laird started shit. But then as it sort of worked out, they'll kind of evened out over the course of the season. So you can't you can't get them all uh, to start with. And um, no. yeah, I think at this point I'll be foregoing Bont in order to uh spread out some value across my team. But what about you?
1: I don't know if he's in my side at this stage. I think I went with Bont. I, yeah. I think with Bont though, you need to consider that you're not obviously not picking him for value because he presents no value. Yeah. Um in terms of, you know, like what we would talk of as a juicy player. Um, or mm. a juicy value, he doesn't present that. Um, his price point's shocking when you think about it. But I think you're paying up for a player because you know what you're going to get from him. And mm. that's the difference sometimes with a value option. Obviously, he's priced highly. Um, and he's going to have to maintain a massive average to keep up that price point. But I think on top of that, you've got to consider what you're giving up. And it's potentially mm. a captaincy option week in, week out. Like we said, 20, 120 plus, 15 weeks last year mm. so that's basically almost i mean it's not every week but you know 23 games he only went one one game without a hundred plus score like you're getting a play with a high base um a high floor and a potentially a, a high ceiling as well i think the question on top of that is who are you going to replace him with and can they perform to the same standard and also provide a VC and C option mm. consistently. Like, if we go to Petrarca, who's the next guy in the list, um, he's 60K less. So you're saving 60K. But over the, like, if we look at the last five rounds of 2023, Bont went at an average of 135.4 compared to Trax 120.2. So that's 15 points per week. And over that five weeks, that's 76 points. Doesn't seem like much, but it's something mm. that you've got to think about in terms of the points that you're missing there. Um, it could, you know, make a difference um, over time, especially if you're not talking about going for a Bont versus a, a Petrarca. It could be someone much cheaper. I think it, it swings in roundabouts because I think when we were talking about English, we were talking about the fact that paying up for him means that, you know, that I, th- I think it comes down to who you're going to go to and whether mm-hmm. you think they can match Bont or beat Bont yep. in terms of scoring. Um, oh, It's hard, though. Um. Mm. I don't know how I feel about starting him. He's definitely expensive and, as you said, likely to drop. Um, but I think there's a the drop in quality and there's question marks over players that we'll talk about later um, mm-hmm. that are sort of at this same sort of price point. That's why not at this price point, but are cheaper and looked at as more value options. Yeah. And that's the yeah. concern for me. So I think just it'll come down to what you do with your side overall. Um, if you can fit him in, I'd probably do it, but I still don't know. It's a lot of money.
2: Yeah, it is a lot of money, and you're totally right. Like it's a bit different from like you mentioned with English that we spoke of in the mm. previous Ruck episode, um, because we think like Gorn, he's got the history of of matching English, um, so he's a viable option. He comes there at, at value and at that Grundy, cheaper yeah. price point, and Grundy as well, who's done it all before. Whereas, I mean, there's there's quite a few options in the midfield that could potentially. Match Bont this year if he doesn't go as high, that is, of 129. But looking for example, uh, with Laird, um, you know, back in 2022, I think he was mm-hmm. what 122, I think his average was or thereabouts. Let me just have a quick uh, no, 127. So it could potentially, if he goes back to those those heights, could potentially match Bont, uh, if Bont stays around about that 129 average mark. Um, so I think there are guys that you could potentially target, but even then, I mean. Lead comes in, uh, what's that five, six, seventy one K cheaper than than Bond. Doesn't sound like it's much money, but when you put it into context, I mean, you know, it, it could give you, you know, a, a leg up from a mid pricer to potentially someone that's on the cusp of being a premium um or thereabouts. So yeah, it comes down to the balance of your team, I think, as to whether or not you can afford him. But if you can't, I think there's viable alternatives in, like we mentioned, track, especially if Oliver doesn't play, which we'll get into track in a moment. Rory Laird, who's kind of hit those heights before, Dacos as well potentially, if you're discounting, you know, the early buy, and so on and so forth. Even Jordan Dawson, like there's guys there, butters. So there's a, there's a few options that could, but again, probably not as obvious as say a Gorn slash Grundy comparing to an English. I think,
1: yeah, I agree with that. I think though, like, I'm just going to have a quick look at players. Rory Led's question marks would be over whether he is going to score as well with the CBAs. I think he's going to have question marks there um, with them with Adelaide probably wanting to spread them out more and give them to other people. Um, like there's a merit. I'd have questions over whether he plays purely as a midfielder, liver's old, Dawson maybe, and then you're looking at Dunks, who I yeah. have question. But as, I 100%, I think it should be in your side. I don't know if it's at the expense of a um, Bont, though. Like, I don't see them as the same. I don't see those two as mutually exclusive. Um, no, in and of each other, sorry. Yeah. Um, like, I don't think that it's not like, I'd say like a Bont and a Petrarca would be probably yeah. two players. You can't fit both of them in your side. It's either one or the other. Um, but Butters to me is also, you know, there's the, the risk of injury with him. Likewise, LDU, and then you're getting down to like Tom Green, Lockie Neal, Andy Brasher. And I think you're talking about a completely different class of player there. So I think that's the difference. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Comes down to your structure and whatnot. And if you're going to afford to, to bring him in whilst having a balanced side, I think it's probably like the, like the scales you've got to kind of, you know, get a bit of an equilibrium uh, across your team. Um, because if guys like, for example, if you're trying to get mid prices in like a, a crouch, if crouch doesn't look like mm-hmm. he's going to play, you know, best 22, for example, um, you know, you might be able to drop down to another cheaper player and then have that cash to afford to bring exactly, in a bot. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to say at the, the present time until we see a bit of uh, exposed form and stuff, especially with those mm. um, higher priced rookies and, and mid prices and stuff. And we'll be able to assess from there. But um, yeah, it might be one to revisit. Um, but you can see both sides of the argument, can't you? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's cut and dry with this one, unfortunately. Yep. Spot on.
2: Alrighty. So let's move down to that man that we spoke of in Christian Petrarca. Uh, He's priced at 667.7 K and his average for 2023 was 119.5. Does unfortunately have an early buy uh, given that Melbourne play in round zero in the opening round, but for track, so 2023, was a career best season for him. He averaged 2.1 points higher than his previous best in 2020 and 7.1 points higher than his 2022 average of 112.4. So the question marks over Track will come over his position in the side largely. If Clary is missing early in the season, will Track potentially play more time back in the middle as opposed to as a forward like we saw late in the season? But I think that's probably like that move, I think was due to injuries to Fritsch. and I think there's another couple of plays as well, key forwards that they were that they that they kind of missed heading into the final series. So it kind of forced them to play track more as sort of a high half forward, um, with stints in the midfield pushing forward um when he could. So I think we probably should see him moving back into the midfield, even if Oliver does return in round one, um, or round zero rather. Um, but just with track, so we did see that he's still able to score. Well, despite those games where he was camped in the forward line, if that does happen and come to pass in 2024, with just one score below 100 from round 13 of last season. But it becomes more dependent on his ability, of course, to hit the scoreboard with 16 goals across those 12 home and away games across that period where he did play predominantly as a forward. He ended the season down on his average, a three round average of 111.7 compared to his season average of 119.5, which also highlights the impact his position can have on his scoring. Despite this, though, he still managed 100-plus scores in 20 out of 23 home and away games, highlighting his high floor. That makes him very, very appealing. Uh, So just quickly for the verdict. So for me, uh, I can see the appeal of starting him, um, given the fact that, uh, you know, going back into the Mm. middle, you know, there there does come with the expectation of a higher output. um, And I have no doubt I think that he's going to be a top 10 mid and potentially push uh, to be a top eight come the end of the year. But mm. I see more of, a, of really an upgrade target at this stage, given I don't really want to overload on players with two buys. Uh, that's probably the main reason. Uh, just trying to get that that balance uh, across my team and, and not sort of shoot myself in the foot by having too many primos out with the early buys and having to rely on mm. rookies um, and not have to burn trades in order to do sideways trades for guys that are going into the early buys. So, strategically for me, doesn't really work with track. Uh, he did actually, I had him, uh, when did I get him, sort of the latter stage of the season for 2023 and treated me well. And I was very, very scared after getting him and seeing him Kent in the fall. And I'm like, here we go. This is going to absolutely kill me. Like, you know, shades of, I had flashbacks to Liam Baker when we both got him yeah. uh, at the TIGs. <sighs> And he had that role change and I was like, oh, here we go. This is going to absolutely kill me. But to his credit, track was probably one of the more consistent players despite playing, yeah. you know, less time in the midfield. So for me, even though I do have that sort of romanticism to it, um, I think I'll pass on him at this stage. But what about you, Lem?
1: Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> um, you'll finish as a top 10 mid, most likely a top eight mid as well. But I think he's his one I want to see how he goes in the preseason. Like I want to make sure, like you said, he's got the role in the middle Um, before I pick him. But even then I want to pass him up Um, most likely and pick him up mid season as an upgrade. I think with the second buy that kind of kills it. it yeah, it kills it. It kills him. Mm-hmm. I think a little bit, especially when you look at other guys, I think it comes down to, yeah, again, structure of your side. It's probably between a, a, a Bont and a Petrarca. Uh, bond doesn't have the second buy maybe that benefits you more um yeah. and that's worth paying the extra 60k for it's, it's up to you really um but i do think you'll be getting it in by season's And anyway let's move on to the next guy and it is zach butters 636.1k mid-eligible 113.8 average, and he only has the one buy. He is another mid-option who had a best career best year in 2023, unsurprisingly. His past three seasons averages uh, from 81.5 to 96.2 and 113.8 last season. Um, Obviously, some of those did have some injury-affected games as well. The reason behind his rise, though, came largely off the back of transitioning into Port's engine room on a more full-time basis, having lifted his CBAs to 62%, up from 38% in 2022. But it showed that he can be a consistent VC option with all of his last six games for the home and away season netting scores of 101 and above, which included five scores above 129. Can he continue this in season 2024? He's likely to continue his midfield dominance. And as the Power's new vice captain, he'll hopefully want to continue to throw himself into the contest and lead by example, which is... Sometimes what we want to see, sometimes what we don't want to see with Butters, considering he is so injury prone. Uh, He has shown he has a strong scoring ceiling on him, having managed 15 scores of 100 plus and 9, 125 plus. Though he does have the propensity to chuck in a stinker with a season low score of 67 and another at 79. Though these came early in the season. Um, With maturity, we should see some more consistently high scoring as well. While he wasn't hampered by... uh, injury in 2023 it should be noted that this was his first full season across his five-year career in which he played every game was it merely an anomaly we'll have to wait and see unfortunately in terms of verdict i am bullish he's been a burn man Mm -hmm but I think those days are behind us. I think that he's putting it all together this year. He finished last season as the fourth best mid for the season and should be able to maintain that in 24. He offers a VC option with the ability to score big, as we saw with nine of his scores being 125 plus for the season and only eight scores below 100, with only three of those games coming after round 14. So I would consider him very, very strongly if he's not already in your side.
2: Yep. Good old burnt butters. He, uh, he's, he's burnt us. Um, same times. Mm. Yeah. The times that we got injured, brought him back in, gets injured again. And it's just like, mm. Oh God. But, and that was probably part of the reason why I didn't jump on him in 2020 yeah, last year, year. Yeah. just because, you know, once bitten twice shy type thing. it's just like, it's, it's, he's going to do it, do it again. Um, but yeah, just, just with that, I guess, you know, having said that I'm a fan of butters, um, especially given Port has that favorable late season buy alongside only free on the same round, which obviously allows you to cover his absence quite easily and allows you to, you know, use him as cover uh, for other buy rounds for primos that you're missing. Um, but just to put it sort of bluntly, I guess, you know, the bloke is an absolute tackling machine and a genuine superstar of the next generation. So, You know, I think we're kind of at that point in Super Coach now where a lot of the older stars um, are kind of being put out the pasture and Mm. he's the next gen that you want to be jumping on. So I do like him. Uh, I did initially have him in my team, but at the Mm. moment at present, he's not in there. Uh, He's a bit of a sneak preview. Um, I shifted him out just because I think I needed to find a bit of coin, Um. And there's a bit of a strategy with another guy that I'm bringing in that I'll speak of uh, later when we chat about him. Um, but, yeah, I think Butters has given way there. But I do like him. Uh, and I think, yeah, like you said, you kind of have to consider him strongly just because of all those points which are mm. pretty favorable. Yeah. Now, uh, let's move on to the next guy. And speaking of next generation, this guy fits the bill 100%. And it is Luke Davies-Uniak, good old LDU, the UDL. Uh, he's priced at 635.1K, And his average for 2023 is 113.6. Does only have the one late season bye, thankfully. Uh, But for LDU, he is yet another bike to have a career best season in 2023. And the only thing that held him back really was injury, of which uh, kind of plagued his uh, his entire season, as we know, uh, as owners at one stage or another. Uh, but of the 14 games that LDU played in 2023, he tunned up in 10 of them and scored 125 plus in seven. In two of the games he didn't turn up, when he went at uh, a 72 and a 94 respectively, he got re-injured with just 69% time on ground and then was managed for game time after a turn from injury with 67% time on ground. So kind of explains both of those scores there at least. But once he regained fitness in round 16, he went at an average of 121.1 across his last seven games for the season, highlighting his capabilities when at full flight, of course, and when he's fully fit. And yet another thing to consider with LDU is that on average alone, at 113.6 of which he finished, he ends up as a top 11 midfielder. So if we're able to play more games after regaining fitness in the back part of 2023, that may have pushed him into the top 10. Who knows, sliding doors uh, scenario there. And we know that LDU has a strong scoring ceiling, of course, but the key Mm. question that we have for him is his durability, missing nine games in 2023 with uh, quite a few injuries, wasn't it? It It was... A foot injury, it was a calf injury, hamstring injury. It was literally everything. The body, uh, ear injury, nose injury. (laughs) Uh, But like like Butters, LDU is hitting the right age group to continue his breakout and has the ability to score well and be a captaincy option with his high ceiling. So just quickly for the verdict for me, I am a massive fan of LDU, and Liam, we were both big on him as a breakout mm. contender this time last season when we spoke alongside Green, uh, given his age profile, uh, time in the game, all that sort of stuff. And if not free injury, we might be speaking of him having reached similar heights to the GWS youngster. His tackling average of 4.5 is something that really does help give him that high floor from week to week. And I think his last six-game average of 121.1 gives an insight into what he could potentially produce in 2024 if he can maintain his fitness with a full pre-season. So for me, it's obviously a risk with his durability. But considering that knock on wood, he's uh, he's had a faultless pre-season to date. I am willing, again, to... um, To invest, open up my wallet, Liam. We talk about uh, bargains. He could be a potential bargain, um, next generation, all that sort of stuff, and could have that big breakout season like we saw from Green and Butters. So I'm on him, Liam, at the moment. But what about you? How do you feel?
1: He's in my side. But I think the big question mark for me is just his durability. There's Mm. almost no doubt that he can score well. He is on the park, but the question is whether he can stay on the park long enough to make him that worthwhile pick. Mm. Uh, I I do say that as I was burnt when he was a super <laughs> laid out. He was during the warm up last season and suffered through some of his other injuries. So I am obviously a bit more wary, I guess, of him than potentially some others. I do think he'll be a strong scorer though. Just beware of his injuries. I don't know. That's my that's my biggest concern is whether he can mm. make it through the season. Yep. But Ben, uh, that being said, potentially starting him is better. Like you're only using one trade on him then mm-hmm. if he does get injured and you have to trade him out. If yep. you bring him in and then he gets injured and you have to trade him out, you're using two trades. So, I mean, swings and roundabouts, it's up to you. Um, I don't think there's any rhyme or reason. It's not like it's not like he gets this consistency in his injuries. You know what I mean? Like it's not like he's someone that breaks down at the end of the year so you're like, okay, Mm. Um, I'll just trade him in later. I won't trade him in. I'll start him. And then when he breaks down, I'll trade him out. Or he's someone that, you know, doesn't start the year, you know, breaks down over the preseason and starts late. So you know that you can bring him in later. I don't know. Just rambling now. It's hard
2: hard though with the durability side of things, isn't it? Like the guy we just spoke of in Butters, again, that was part of the reason why I didn't bring him to my team because the past two years has been struggling with injury. And then lo and behold, 2023, bang, comes out and plays what every game. So, the same thing could potentially happen to LDU. Um, And like you said, you know, if you're starting with him, you're only using one trade to trade him out. As long as if you don't start with him, he has a blinder, starts the season on fire, use a trade to bring him in. And then if he gets injured, you're wasting another trade. Um, And probably speaking to that as well, like having the extra four trades for 2024, expanded to 40 trades across the season. I think you can potentially uh, take a risk on some of these guys a bit more than what you would in, in previous seasons. So I don't know. Uh, everyone's different. Of course, different experiences. Um,
1: so, yeah, it, it kind of makes sense. No, I agree. I, yeah, I don't know. Not sold. Not sold, but yes. he's in my we'll side. Wait
2: and see. Yeah.
1: Wait and <laughs> see. Hopefully if he, this is going to sound terrible. Hopefully if he does get injured, he gets injured before round one. and yeah. Not in the warm-up when we uh, are, <laughs> well, when I've got him in my side and it's too late to get him out. Anyway, yeah. moving on. Tom we can- 621.5k flashbacks
2: <laughs> moments of like seeing the team sheets late out flashing before your eyes.
1: Just oh, oh. <laughs> seeing my side, gives me the cold sweats at night. Anyway, next guy, Tom green, 621.5k mid eligible. He is priced at an average <laughs> of 111.2 from 2023 and has the two buys in 2023 playing in the opening round he was one of the breakout candidates last season not even was one of well he was one of them but wasn't even a candidate he was the one of the breakout players of 2023 and uh well he was a candidate and he proved us right as you said before David, hmm. romping in an average of 111.2 for the season which was an increase of over what 14.1 points from 2022 to 2023 in his short career, he's shown what he can do when playing in turning up in twelve with his 19 games, and he showed a relatively stable floor with low scores of 73, 77, 89, 95, 97, 97, and 99. So not poor scores, really. Well, not too poor scores in that sense. When he manages to turn up, though, he does tend to go large with 10 of his 12 scores being 118 plus. So a bit of a ceiling there. When I say a bit of a ceiling, though, it does get limited to one forty five, so it's not like he has those games like Bond where it's like one eighty two mm. or, or something huge. But he does, yeah. you know, does does have a a a decent ceiling. Um, mm. But uh, as we highlighted, consistency though is what you'll get with Green, so you'll you kind of know what you're going to get in terms of scoring. In Terms of verdict though, I think it's a hard one to read in twenty twenty four. Definitely don't think it's a bad pick. Mm. I think most people are going to get scared off by his early buy um, <laughs> because of the the playing in round zero, Um, but he is a strong scorer. But I do think for him to be sort of an uber primo, he's going to need to increase his floor slightly. Like, yes, it's consistent and he hasn't gone below 73, but really if we can get that to a hundred or, you know, to the low nineties as being his low scores, his lowest scores and increase, you know, his ceiling slightly, I think he can get to be one of the uber primos of the competition. Uh, This could be the year for it, but um at this stage, I don't think I can pick him in my side purely because of his buy. Yeah, I totally understand that. That being said, I have thoughts on strategy with him though. So yes. I think you I think you're going to touch on it.
2: Yes, that's that's a good segue. Um and this is part of the this is kind of the guy who's pushed out butters in my team that I spoke of before. And it's a I guess it's this tactic and strategy is going to be growing in popularity. I've seen it mentioned around. I had a good think about it, and I thought normally any other year, I wouldn't be doing it. But considering that we've expanded our trades to 40 trades, I don't mind potentially, I guess, burning a trade via a sideways trade. So the whole idea is, for those people who haven't heard it, is the tactic of starting green. And I guess the main thing off the back of that is the fact that he plays both North Melbourne and the Eagles in the first three rounds before his buy. Um, despite that early buy, of course. So the hope there is you start with him. He smashes the roos and the eagles, increases in price, and you obviously get bulk points. And then you trade him out for someone like a Sam Walsh, who comes off his buy the same round that Green goes into his buy. Mm. So I guess it's kind of like you're just you know a bit of a tag team. Out goes the primo and Green. In comes the primo and Walsh. Fallen primo and Walsh, and you're not having to be forced to play a rookie to cover green if you're holding him across his buy. And likewise, if you were, you know, I guess starting Walsh um, you'd need to do that as well uh, in terms of using a rookie to, to cover. So here it's virtually just a sideways trade. Again, I wouldn't be all for it. Um, We, we kind of speak about that in, in previous seasons, don't we? Like we speak down on any, any idea of doing sideways trades, but I think this is almost like another strategy, a different tactic, in the mix here for 2024. It's a unique season with the early buyers, and we kind of need to find ways around yeah. it. I wouldn't advocate on doing this across every single early buy round. Um, at this stage anyway, I haven't really looked far into it, but I think considering what we had 36 trades last year mm-hmm. and we had that many suspensions, that many injuries. And I think I was out of trades by around 19, maybe around oh, maybe a little bit longer, around 20, maybe at a guess. Um, even though I was trying to be conservative, I think it still pays to be a bit conservative with trades, even though we've got some extras, So you can probably afford to maybe use one, maybe two potentially at most uh, on doing a bit of a sideways trade. But I think he's the, the one candidate for doing this just because of his good fixture against North Melbourne and the yeah. Eagles should score well, could potentially go up in price as well, as I mentioned, which is an extra bonus when you trade him to Walsh, you cash him in virtually um, and you have those um, those hopefully insane scores against North Melbourne and the Eagles. But I don't know, what are, what are your thoughts on that lane? Maybe have, have you put much thought into
1: sort of that tactic? He GWS is probably the only team I'm considering it with. So only because they've got, as we said, the, the, the North and the Eagles. Mm. Um, and I think there's like Toby Green you could do it with. There's mm. um, Josh Kelly. Josh Kelly, Tom Green as well obviously as we just spoke about i think that uh what's his face um himmelberg um he's another one you could do it with (laughs) just a players like that where i do sorry yeah gws i think is in unique situation where they've got such a positive buy Uh, sorry positive fixture and then that buy and then as we said you can swap him to um uh walsh i'm trying to think who else who what's the other team is it Brisbane that week, I think, has the buy. Yes, um, yeah. So probably not as many options there, but yeah, I don't mind it. I haven't thought through enough about it. I'm. I think there'd be there's interesting. There's interest to me in the fact that with, if you are conservative with your trades and with the extra trades, you could end up at a point in the back end of the season. Where you can do more sidewaysing of of primos to get mm. you know the advantage as well. So yep. I think regardless, that's probably where you want to go. But I think at the same time you need to be careful and just mindful of the fact that we don't know how suspensions are going to go.
2: Yeah, that's um, the main thing. What
1: injuries are going to happen, especially if we're picking a butters and we're picking a um, LDU. Those are two very injury prone players that we might need to be mindful of.
2: I mean, you could you could always potentially do this. With another, like the, I think it's Gold Coast, they share the same buy as uh, the Giants for the early round buy. Yeah. So you could potentially do it with, like, say, a Tookie Miller maybe, but mm. um, again, doesn't have that favourable draw. And the big draw card here is the fact that, yeah, as I said, uh, he plays North Melbourne and West Coast. um for Green. I think
1: with a Took Miller, for example, he's not priced highly enough that it makes it worth it. Like yeah. I think with Tom Green... It's priced high enough that you can pretty much trade him to, I mean, not anyone, but to, you know, a Walsh. He's probably yeah. going to make some cash in that time as well. There's more opportunity there. I mean, you could even potentially trade him instead of a Walsh. You could be going to like, I mean, if he makes enough cash, you just have to hope Butters doesn't. But you could always get him up to a Butters even.
2: Mm. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. And then sort of ride the wave. I mean, it'd be interesting to see whether you could ride the wave of players just playing north and West coast yeah. Well, imagine West that. Just sideways, just keep <laughs> sideways in players uh, based <laughs> off their fixture. But, um, yeah, no, I, I don't mind it. I just have to think through it a bit
2: more. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, um, I'm all for it at this stage, but, um, cause mm. I'd, I'd love to start with Walsh as well. That's the other sticking point. And it's like, I don't know if it's a waste of a trade by, you know, having to use it on Walsh. Um, mm. Because yeah, if I don't start with butters, like you said, could I potentially start Walsh and then trade green to butters? Uh, butters only having, of course, the the one buy and uh, you know the favorable buy um, only sharing with Frio, uh, which is. Probably-
0: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care.
2: a good segue to this next guy um Mm -hmm. and it is andy brayshaw so he's priced at 608.9 k and his average for 2023 was 109 only has the one buy thankfully as i just mentioned uh they share it with port which is super favorable but um brayshaw is pretty much priced right on his three-year average uh of 109.4 meaning i guess that he's neither a value option nor an overpriced option, um, of course, referring to uh, what we are analysing this time last year when we were looking at uh, the combined averages across Mm. the previous three seasons uh, and seeing if they're, I guess, what they're priced at is in line with what they're able to average in recent seasons. Uh, He did regress slightly from his career best season in 2022, decreasing his average by 2.8 points overall. Despite this, he still managed to finish the season at a season ranking of 12th overall, and he finished as the ninth top mid based on overall points. And Brayshaw, he does look similar to the likes of, say, Tom Green, just in terms of his scores. He had seven scores below 100 with a low score of 70 and a ceiling score of 149 with eight of his scores being 115+. And Brayshaw, he's a relatively consistent scorer, which bodes well for him, and his regression means there's room for improvement with him to increase his average. The question is whether the breakout of Sarong has negatively affected Brayshaw, leaving him, I guess, less of the pie to gorge himself on. Maybe it's mm. a triple chili pie. Who knows? Watch mm. yourself if that's the case, Andy. Um, goes in nicely. Doesn't come out uh, the other side <laughs> as well. But uh, the other side of looking at this is Sarong could sometimes attract the tag, as we saw in 2023, in favor of Brayshaw. So that's the other side of looking in as well, which thereby frees him up. But the one thing that will likely make Brayshaw a popular option is his favourable buy, as I mentioned uh, many times earlier. Sharing it with only Port, making him good cover for the other buy weeks. So quickly for the verdict, I'm not a massive fan after he treated me to his high variance scoring in 2022 as an owner. But to his credit, he did improve upon that ever so slightly in 2023 with three more tonnes in, uh, I guess, a season with one less game played. He does appeal purely off the back of his favourable buy, and not having a double either. But otherwise, I think there are others who present better value, in my opinion. Liam, what about you?
1: I've never been a fan of Brayshaw as a super coach option. I mean, yep. not as a footballer necessarily. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no hate, no hate, yeah. No, no, no hate, just as a super coach. I don't know. And I don't, I can I like I think about it and I wonder why. And I cannot explain it. Just one of those things that I've just been like, mm, nah, just gut yeah. feels like it's been a bit off. And I don't know why. This is the first year, though, where I go, Oh, actually, hmm, mm. maybe mm. not sure, though. Like, it's the most positive I felt about him as a super coach option. Um, Saying <laughs> something is it based um, on his
2: buy? Is that, is that maybe the attraction? I
1: think so, maybe. But then I think when I looked at his scores and I looked at it, and I'm like, All right, he's priced 10, 12K cheaper ish, 13K cheaper ish than a uh, ratio uh, than Tom Green. Mm. And his scores were eerily similar, like, yeah, just really similar kind of scoring um, like screen had a high score of 145 Brayshaw had a ceiling score of 149 eights above 115 10 scores for green above 118 like there was just really similar mm. um, sort of thing seven scores below 100 um, one two three four five six seven scores below 100 for Tom Green I don't know just maybe look at him a bit differently because like I don't look mm. at Tom Green unfavorably yeah. Um, so I was like, maybe I need to stop judging Brayshaw for absolutely no reason. And then I guess the buyer came in. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know whether he's in my side currently. I think actually, I don't oh, know. Okay, which is strange for me. But um, I don't think he'll be there. But when the season starts, mm-hmm. um, I think there's upside for him though. Like he he had a career best season last year. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't make that. Still finished the top ten mid though. So yeah. that that to me is the positive. It's Just the sarong effect, I think, is is the concern. But then, as you said, it can work favourably for him as well because he gets the tag.
2: Mm, can work either way. But even even then, I mean, mm-hmm. so then in like 2023, there's a rise of Sarong. Maybe that eats into the average. Maybe that's part of the reason why he's slightly regressed. Mm. So I don't know. For me, I think it's probably if Sarong can demand the tag more than what Brayshaw can, Brayshaw will have the freedom to score as well as he did potentially in 2022. And maybe even better because twenty twenty two he copped the tag pretty much all the time, mm. so there is an upside there. I guess in a roundabout way, yeah. I, think there's, I yeah. think there's
1: yeah. I think there's upside for Rachel. Like yep. we've seen him score, we've seen him average better than he has. Um, mm. so there's potential for that. So I think there's upside. I think there's question marks over him, but I don't. If if people select him, I don't think he's a bad pick. That, that's where I'd probably go for it. Yep. I just, and that's the first time you'll, and first and only time you'll ever hear me say that, because I really don't like Bray Sugar. It's a super coach pick, and I don't He's know just vanilla.
2: Why. He's just vanilla. He's like yeah, an ice I cream just... flavor. You're like, <sighs> you go into bloody uh, pita pipo. Awesome uh, ice cream yeah. place, by the way. My favorite. I don't know about you, Liam, but yep. uh, do you uh, love pita pipo? Yeah, pit-a-pipo? one of my favorites, yep. yeah. Yep. There's Messina as well. Um am a bigger fan
1: of Messina, I have to say.
2: And there's, uh, what's the other one? Uh,
1: Augustus. Yes, Augustus is good. There's yeah. a place. Um, I don't know what it's called. It's next to. It's on. I think it's on Spring Street. Um, it's next to the theaters. Um, it's like a grocer. It is. Oh, Chef's okay. Oh, very nice. They always yes. have really niche niche flavors too, which is which is cool.
2: One niche flavor called Andy Brayshaw, and you just turn your nose up yes. it?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's actually a niche flavor that has no no flavor at all. <laughs> just ice, just pure ice.
2: Yeah, <laughs> pure ice. <laughs> Yeah, like your tongue gets stuck to it as well. Like yeah. this is what happened with me when I was owning Brayshaw. I couldn't get rid of him. And I'm like, oh, my God. Ugh.
1: Anyway, let's move on. Let's move yep. on. Let's uh, Next guy, <laughs> uh, my boy, Darcy yes. Parish, 604.2K, mid-eligible. Average in 2023 was 108.1, and he has just the one buy. Price is an average of 108.1, which does mean his slight value compared to his three year average, which we do like to look at, which was 111.3. Well, he has regressed in his scoring in his last three years from his career best season in 2021, where he did average 114.1. I do think it presents him as having upside for his scoring. But we've seen seasons gone by that he is able to have those big ceiling games. Last season, Parrish only really managed a high score of 131. Had a pretty consistent floor, though, with a score low scores of 82, 91, 92, 92, and 98. So he did turn up in his other 13 games for the season. I think there's two key queries on Parish for me, though. It will come down to one, what the midfield mix of the Dons does look like. There's relative, I guess, depth for want of a better term in that position. Um, he'd obviously be one of the top choices in that position. But if they do choose to spread the CBAs, which I do mean, just gonna editorialize here and say I hope they do. Um <laughs> it could impact his scoring. Um, obviously there's the likes of Merritt, there's Hobbs, there's Setagote, um, there's Shield, Bill there's Setagal. Caldwell, there's uh, Sardis, Perkins, Durham have been playing in the middle during the preseason. I feel like I've missed some. Uh, Martin could be an option there. I think that should be the main guys. I mean, potentially even aggression playing, not necessarily as a you know high CBA player, but just a, you know, getting some CBAs um, relief. Uh, Stringer as well. I think there's too many go middle on that potentially limits his scoring. Uh, the key issue is his calf injuries that he has seemed to be having um, a little bit more in recent years. So in terms of verdict, uh, the thing that piques my interest is that he's doing work in the preseason on his kicking. Um, mm. but they've got, I think his name's David Rath. Um, he's a... I don't know, he's some strategist or something, but he specializes in biomechanics. And so he's been doing work on kicking motion and kicking, I don't know, actions for um the, for a couple of players. So Parrish and um, Sardis. And I think that's one thing that will affect his um scoring is his kicking efficiency. And I think if he can push that up, his scoring ability will go up too. Um I think he'll be given enough time in the middle to score well enough, but it might put a ceiling on him. I think realistically, I look at players like Merritt as potentially ones that don't play in the middle over a Parish. Like I think Parish has shown that what his his best role is in the middle, um, whereas a Merritt, I think he has other skill sets that mean that he can be pushed to other areas of the ground. Likewise, I think a Shield can do that, a Sardis can do that. Um, Setterfield probably more so in the middle, Hobbs more in the middle. Mm. Um and Caldwell sort of maybe half forward as well, but also yeah. playing more in the midfield. Um, so I think he he doesn't get pushed around as much. Um, I'd want to say the preseason before I'd say to pick him, but I think there's a value option there just at six oh four point two K. Um something that we've seen in some potential for scoring that we've seen in in years gone by that he could uh could research a little bit.
2: Yep. Now, well, you've kind of summed it up there as the as a man in the know, uh, being a Don's man, Liam, but um, I will take every um, bit of expertise there. Um, for me, just just sort of on face value with Parrish, because he's a player that's such a high accumulator of the footy, I always expect bigger scores from him. You know, he has 35-plus disposals, mm. pushes 40 disposals, and you're like, oh, okay, maybe he scored like 130-plus. You're like, nope, he's just gone above like 105, 110. You're like, oh, okay. So without like any disrespect in a super coach um, I guess, uh, viewpoint on things, I see him as almost a Tom Mitchell 2.0. Just mm, because you yeah. get a lot of rack up the pill and you're like, yep, okay, he's gonna score well, but just doesn't. He's more of a, for me, an AFL fantasy player. But like you said, if he can agreed. If he, if he can work on his deficiencies like with his kicking and get up his kick to handball yeah. ratio so he can kick the ball a bit more, get a few extra super coach points that uh, you'd think he'd probably be um, putting in his kit, uh, that would be absolutely fantastic. And probably, yeah, I mean, push him into that category where you're like almost forced to pick him because he's he's busting out those points that you expect him to. Um, but aside from all that, I think considering that he has had, you know, calf troubles in the past, in recent seasons, uh, it's just a bit of a pass for me at this stage. Um, it's always hard with injury, as we spoke of with Butters, you know, someone that uh, has had some issues, just miraculously gets over them. English, another one. So um, that's kind of on face value as well. But for me, I just see other guys as jumping off the page for me compared to Parrish. Um, But no doubt he's still one to watch, I think. And um, I still think he's – like you've owned him for a couple of seasons, haven't you? Um, I've owned him previously,
1: one season or twice. I think maybe. 2022? 2022 and I think 2021 I jumped on him early.
2: Yeah. Um, and I remember he's busting out some pretty good scores at various stages. Yeah, I was there, having so. a look
1: at I was having a look back to see what his scoring was. 2021 he averaged that was the year he went into the middle averaged 114.1. So he started the year as a uh forward then yep. went into the middle and was busting out scores of 162, 107, 115, 134, mm. 152, 136, 166, yeah, 115, wow. 121, 190. So he's got the ability he scored yeah. well. I think mm. the difference is I think he's probably been hampered in recent years. Like, I think last year particularly, looking yep. at his injury, started the season a bit flat, then missed a whole heap of games mm. in the right in the middle of the year, then came back, and sort of just never really, I don't think, ever looked 100%. Um, yep. So I think that's his biggest issue. I think if he can keep fit um, – He'll be he he has the potential to have those really high ceiling scores because he does have a high floor, which mm. um which is useful and that's the benefit of him I think potentially. But one to i uh, not one necessarily I'm going to start, but one to that yep. I'll be watching. Um, but if he looks good in the preseason, maybe one to 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 um jump on at that six oh two mark because it'll be a bit cheaper.
2: And he'd be a relative pot as well, you'd think as well amongst yep. like all those other big names. Uh, is largely forgotten about yep. so don't mind it but uh from one one i guess um your boy to another my boy, your boy. Uh, and it is sammy walsh uh he's priced at a juicy price point for 2024 576.8k uh and had a 2023 average of 103.2 unfortunately does have an early buy uh given carlton play in round 0 but like i said Walsh, he presents as big, big value, potentially priced at an average of 103.2, which is 8.1 points down on his three-year average of 111.3. But we did see, uh, as most recently, as during the 2023 final series, uh, just his ability that he has to rack up the ball and score well with scores of 111, 134, and 121. And while 2023 didn't really present as his best year, do keep in mind that he had a non-existent preseason and delayed start to 2023 due to surgery on a bulging disc, which would have in some way impacted his season and his, I guess, delayed return to full fitness. Uh, mm. Likewise, in 2022, he had an injury-affected preseason again after having surgery on his ankle. I think it's synosmosis, whatever it was, um, so 2024 would be his first full preseason since 2021. But if you look at his previous two seasons, when he averaged 111 in 2022 and 117 in 2021, the upside is obviously evident. If you can get himself back to these levels, there's lots of value to be had, of course. The concern from last year was, I guess, when Carlton did change up its game plan to go more direct, uh, which I guess was probably to the detriment of Walsh's scoring. And a lot of that as well was due to a change in uh, role for him. He was pushed forward a fair bit more at the start of mm-hmm. stoppages and stuff. And then he was pushed more into the middle of the ground, uh, drifting back and forth. But uh, after the turning point before the bye, Walsh went at 102 and tunned up three times from six outings. And he also presents, presents similarly to Parrish. He had an injury-affected season, had a decent floor with scores of 72, 87, 90, 92, 93, and 99, but didn't reach his usual ceilings with a high score of just 130 and 119. So just quickly for verdict, you know, I I do like having Walsh in my team, but uh, I saw firsthand both as a Carlton man, but also, you know, as a, I guess an owner when I brought him in, you know, he's got that, um, he's got the ability. We all know what he's going to produce when he does hit his peak, but again, just comes down to to fitness. So I think with a full injury free preseason under his belt, Knock on wood. I'm confident he can return to the same heights that he did reach in 2021. And as someone myself that's been rehabbing a bolting disc for over 12 months, they are an absolute shit of an injury to try and build back from. And I am obviously no elite athlete, um, but I can just imagine the impact that it has on, you know, any athlete that relies on, you know, uh, their running prowess. Uh, So I guess. Given the form, again, that we saw across the finals, uh, it's probably a little bit of a nice snapshot of what I think he will produce across the course of 2024. Hopefully can recapture that form. So for me, it's a lock and load. But again, it comes back to that strategy. Do I potentially don't start with him? Do I start with Green and then trade Green out to bring Walsh in? And at least that gives me that little bit of buffer as well. If I need it for those first, you know, two, three rounds or whatever before he goes on his buy, for me then to assess, okay, do I trade green to a Walsh or do I trade green to a Butters and then maybe pick Walsh up at a later stage if I want to? Um, So I'll have to think about that. But I am very, very bullish on Walsh, uh, all bias aside, because I think of that price point and knowing what he's has averaged in the past, I think he's an absolute bargain. But Liam, what about you?
1: You're going to like it. Again, I don't I know. hold it against you, don't worry. <laughs> no, but it's just weird. It's this weird thing, and I can't quite put into why. I just have this bad feeling. Um, similar to a brayshaw, not to the same level as a brayshaw. And not that I think that Welsh is a bad pick, but just this feeling that I'm like, I don't know if I can start him, and I don't know why. Not and that's ignoring the early buy. I think there's definite value in Welsh. Um, obviously, he's priced at 576. That's value juice for, days. The um, juice for
2: days. Just shower me in that, that juice lens, just pour it over me
1: exactly. Exactly. There is. I mean, I've <laughs>
2: actually got a can of uh Walsh juice here. You can see I'm wearing it for those people. It's mm. a bit of a treat for those people tuning in via the uh the YouTube vodcast. Uh, if you listen to us on the podcast, jump across because this is reason. But it's uh, it's a, a Carlton draft uh can of Walsh juice and. I consume that on the daily and mask it as a bit of a can of Pepsi Max, but I actually just swap mm. it out. It's like an alcoholic uh, drinking out of a, uh, a coffee mug, mm. but it's actually filled with yeah, exactly, red yeah. wine. <laughs> this is me. Just with uh, Walsh juice. Was I juice. mean, sorry, it's Pepsi Max.
1: Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. Yes. I don't know. I'm not sold. I think he played well during the finals. I worry that I think there's a degree of me going, oh, is that a recency bias there? Like the mm. the, the biggest sample size of not the finals was him at 103.2. Obviously got to factor in that he was returning from injury. Um, And I know he went 111, 134, 121, but I don't know. I just, I can't, I can't quite put my finger on it. I don't think he's a bad pick. I just don't know if I can start him. And I think I really have to see amazing things early to pick Mm. him up, like to do a Tom Green to him um uh i don't know why i'm not putting a line through him there's every chance he starts in my side there's every chance that he's in my side what once he's by the round two uh i should know or this yes uh it is sorry yes round two yep there's every chance that in round three he's in my side but i don't know there's just gut feel i just not sure i'm not sure no that's fair
2: that's fair and like I said, you could potentially use that move to your advantage and, and start with Green. Don't start with Walsh and then assess after seeing exactly. his that's first I two think games. That's
1: what I would want to do. That's what I'd want to do. I don't think I yeah. see Green necessarily as a player I want to keep all season. I think there's potentially others that will maybe surpass him. Mm. Um Walsh potentially one of those. But yeah, I'd want to see others first, but to be honest. I'd want to see I'd want to see a bit more of a sample size. I, I just think I don't know, there's just I think it's just looking at the finals only concerns me. Mm. Um if he'd done it sort of towards the back end, and I'm just gonna quickly see if I can find his numbers for the back end of the season. And I say uh, this is someone that owned him as well.
2: Yeah. Um It was very up and down. So like round yeah. twenty-four to round sixteen, this is working backwards. Ninety, one oh nine, 109, eighty-seven, one nineteen, ninety-nine, one oh eight. Um, so that's back to around 14. Um, yeah, so very, yeah. very up and down. And that know. continued throughout the season as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. That's what I think I'm looking at is someone that owned him last season across those, you know, the, the, the longer term of that season. Mm. Um, I don't know. It's not to say it's bad pick. It's not to say you shouldn't pick him. It's just, I think again, I just need to see his preseason. Like I need to see him in preseason games in round zero yeah, and then fair. probably round one before I'm comfortable picking him. Yep. Uh, it's hundred percent.
2: For me, I think it's just looking back to his last full preseason was when he scored mm. 117. Which uh, is so averaged. Um so I'm kind of that in the back of my mind. Um, and like an increase of what fourteen average points um on twenty twenty three would be very, very juicy. But yeah, we'll wait and see. I think in yeah, we'll just probably assess. Uh, across the course of the preseason, see how he's traveling and whatnot yeah. and um, and go from there. But um, Liam, that pretty much rounds us out for all the main guys. But uh, there's a couple of guys that I've written down here because no doubt people would be sliding into our DMs angry at us uh, with with pitchforks and, and flaming posts and whatnot um, if we didn't mention them. So we can mention them quickly, but I think we can kind of group them together because they're, they're two crows. Um, and I've written down a couple of notes here um, for both. And I'm kind of, I've written them down as well because I'd like to know your thoughts, Liam, Um, because I currently have one of these guys in my team in Rory Laird and the other guy is Jordan Dawson. And I have no idea who to select, um, who do I bring into my team. One's cheaper, Dawson's cheaper by 6K. Um, He's got one point average less uh, than Laird, Um, but I, I don't know. I just honestly don't know. So I mean, just sort of uh, going through the details for Roy Led. So he's priced at six fifty three point one k. So I've, I've, this is, by the way, uh, for people tuning, and this is a late inclusion. I've thrown you for a bit of a, um, um, a bit of a curveball here, Liam. But um, we can just kind of a, we can we'll we can add quickly. <laughs> we can kind of add a little bit more. So because they're very very similar, very similar. Um, so with Led, his twenty twenty three average was one sixteen point nine. Both of these guys obviously don't have the extra buy, uh, given how mm-hmm. they don't play in round zero. So Laird, just quickly on him. So he was down on his output on twenty twenty, sorry, in twenty twenty three on twenty twenty two, with his average dropping from one twenty seven point eight to one sixteen point nine. He did have hundred plus scores in seventeen games and one twenty plus scores in ten games, so not too bad there. And he's, I guess, the main thing with Laird is that. His average from year to year in tackles is pretty good, which we've spoken about with a few guys here, LDU, Tom Green, uh, Butters, um, I guess Jack Steele as well when he's uh, at the top of his game full flight. But his average of tackles in 2023 was eight per game, which uh, obviously does help with a high floor. And I guess just to go quickly with Dawson, so he's priced at 647.6K, so around about 5.5K cheaper than Laird. Uh, 2023 average, 115.9, so one point average less. The thing with him, he made his full-time move into the engine room and he demanded 70% CBAs uh, Mm -hmm. off the back of just 2% in 2022. So he made that full-time move. The one thing, I guess, that appeals with Dawson compared to Laird, and this is kind of the one thing that's, I don't know if it's helping me choose one or the other, but Laird is very handball dependent in his game. A lot of in and under work, contested work, but sort of gets the ball sharks it, handballs it out like a, like a, like a pig Oliver, but with Jordan Dawson, a lot of his scores come with the absolute silk of his foot and his footwork. And it was actually a little bit down on his, um, his, I guess, kick to handball ratio of seasons past. Uh, it was 1.8 was his kick to handball ratio season prior to that in 2022 was three, uh, pretty much on the dot. Um, and then prior to that, uh, for the two seasons that uh, preceded it, uh, 2.2 and a 2.3. So the one thing that we know and love with Dawson is, especially when he was playing off halfback, is his teammates love having the ball in his hand. Very, very silky. And I remember when I brought Dawson in, it was at his, I think it was his highest price point in 2023. And he, for some reason, just went to absolute shit. His disposal efficiency was among the worst I'd seen Um And wasn't good at all. And then he kind of picked it up towards the back end of the season. But a lot of those games... So this is how he started the season. 97, 110, 114, 173, and a 152, and then a 78. And that was kind of around about the time that I brought him in. Uh, I think it was off the back of 150, which he got in round seven. And then 122, which I snaffled in round eight. And then he went 89-92, 120-106-95, bit of a mixed bag, and then started to sort of recapture that early form towards the back end of the season. Is there is there any one of these guys that sort of jump off the page to you, Liam? Because I am, I think I'm almost set in starting one of these guys in my team. I just don't know who. I had Laird last year as well alongside Dawson, but um, with Dawson being a mid-only, it kind of changes things a bit. I'm going to be honest – Oh, you're going to go for neither.
1: <laughs> I mean, you could probably talk me into lead.
2: Yep. Is there anything that, stick, like, that sort of jumps off the page?
1: I don't know. Answers? I think when I look at, like I was looking at, I'm just looking at Supercoach now. Mm. Anyone between Petrarca and probably Butters doesn't interest me. Mm, okay. I just don't think, I think they're priced at their average.
2: Yeah. Like,
1: yep. I think Led is priced at his average. It's more a value issue for me as opposed yep. to a to anything else. And I think Laird and Dawson, I don't dislike either of the picks. I think if I was having to pick between the two, I'd probably choose Laird purely yep. on the basis of his floor. Yeah. Um, But that being said, he starts season slowly. Like, mm. he just so yeah. like, went 50 last year because of. I think he said it was hot. The heat but, in Gold Coast, whatever yes. it was, yeah. Um, 2022. <laughs> it's a spot. Obviously missed the first two games, with injury off memory. Then played Port in the showdown, scored a 93. So not too bad. Um, not the best score, though. And then 2021, 102 to start the season. Like, not bad, but again, not mm. sort of what we're used to with him. Mm. And then back in 2020, he went 88, 72 before he went 107. So mm. I don't know. I just think they're both priced at their average. And okay. I don't see value there. So I think there's yep. potential that they drop in price slightly and you can pick them up a bit cheaper compared to the likes of the other guys we're talking about in, you know, Par- uh, sorry, not Parish, um, who we're we talking about, uh, LDU, Butters, yep. um, potentially a green, who I think are potentially underpriced. Mm. I don't want to say underpriced, but sort of just priced at a. I think there's more upside with those guys. I don't think there's upside with Laird and Dawson. That's what probably hasn't interested me. Looking at it again, though, potentially you could start a Laird as your M1. Mm. If you're going to, if you forgo a Bont.
2: Yep. Which is currently how my team looks at the moment.
1: Yeah. So what's, I'm just getting back to Bont. So you're looking at 75 one K yeah, price difference. So you're saving 71 K. I, I do think that you're also looking at a, a bit of a point difference there though. And mm-hmm. that's the, probably the difference for me. I don't know. It's hard. I don't know. It's just with the likes of Joshua Shelley, potentially wanting to get more CBAs, mm. Matt Crouch come back into the side. Um, I think there's a younger brigade that they're going to want to look to Dawson, yep. obviously captain. They probably want lead I don't know. Laird's, that that's where I think Laird becomes a concern. I don't know. Again, probably mm. need to see them in the preseason to have any to, – to to feel good or bad about them. But that's yeah, they've been my very... issue with those two guys. I'd probably – yeah, if I had to pick between the two of them, I'd probably go Laird and I'd probably – I probably wouldn't look at Dawson. But, again, I just don't think they're value options. But that probably sits them more towards this likes of a Petrarca or a Bont. um, mm. where you're paying up for them because of what they can produce. Again, if we look down the list at other guys – sort of price of that 650K mark. Merit, I don't think there's upside there. I think he's priced at his mm. peak. I think yeah. you get him cheaper early in the yeah. season. Dacos, we're not going to talk about, because we'll talk about him as a defender. Yep. There is an interesting take where you could potentially load up on your mids this season. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So play Dacos in the mids to start the season and then move him back um, because there's more value in defense. Um, yep. But we'll talk about that next week or probably in the week after. Libba, I wouldn't touch just because he's old. Dawson, we've talked about. And then Dunkley, I just don't think there's value for him as a mid at that price point. And then you're down to Bud as an LDU where I think there is.
2: Yeah, I guess, again, just um, the one thing comparing these guys is like they both had, I think it was Dawson had six games scoring under 100. Laird had five. Um, Mm. Again, that's just like how closely they compare. But I guess Dawson has more strings to his bow in terms of being able to push back and take kick-ins as well just because they're so reliant upon his his quality footwork which he did in 2023 went back and took 26 kick-ins um and played on in 88% of them so just easy points um so I guess kind of like stat padding in a sense uh which just adds to like a midfielder like very few midfielders do that um so yeah maybe there's a bit of a tick in the box there for Dawson I don't know. I don't know. But um, yeah, just thought I'd bring them up just because uh, they're too popular. No, I think a fair point. Um, and yeah, it's, it's worth sort of comparing the pair in a sense. So yeah, I mean, there's another guy as well. We could speak about, which we might do potentially as a frequently asked player, because we might need to go in a little bit more depth on him to the name of uh, Errol. Oh, Errol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I might touch on him in another time, just because we don't want this episode to go way, way over time. Um, so shall we end it here, Liam? Put a little I bit of a nice bonus on it. That is a fair, yes. Yes. Well, that rounds us out for the end of part one of this discussion. Looking at Primo's, of course, first up in midweek. So, Liam, did the juice that we extracted quench your thirst? For me, if anything, I'm thirsty for more.
1: Wow, Damon, if you are thirsty for more <laughs> juice, <laughs> um, still feeling parched. <laughs> We're going to delve into some mid-prices and value options in the next episode, which is pure juice. Pure
0: mm-hmm. juice.
1: It's the pig juice in the... Of the highest value, and then we're going to go in the third episode. We're going to look mm. at rookies, which cool. means you get some rookie juice, a bit lighter, a little bit less. Uh, yeah, a little less uh, strong <laughs> tasting. It's you know, a little less rich.
2: Yeah. Um, what's what's uh, the uh, what's the alcohol percentage drink. in it? It's very light. youthful. It's quite light. okay. Yep, yep. So it's like a bit of a light beer type thing. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. L- yeah. A light like beer. Hard. Yeah. We're having Guinness. We're having Guinness now. I assume <laughs> that's a really heavy beer.
2: That is very heavy. Um, that is as thick then, as they come. That's like a meal.
1: And then, and then we're going to go to the value option. Slice it with is, a knife, uh, um, which is a you know a, a maybe a a lager.
2: I want to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like a lager. And, and then yeah.
1: we're going to move on to something like a Corona, quite a light, you know, light. Yeah,
2: crap. yeah, a light um, beer. Yeah.
1: For the for the rookies in the third, or a cider, so. a bit
2: of a cider potentially. Cider, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But maybe if it's you have too freezer. much of it. <laughs> yes, actually, a cruiser is pretty applicable, so I like that. We'll stick with that, like a cruiser. Um, but, of course, uh, if there are any mid-primos that you would like us to touch on, and no doubt that we missed uh, some, given the sheer amount of them, please comment below if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, mm. and we'll be uh, touching on them in a special episode later in the preseason, where we run through some frequently asked players, alongside Golden, of course, who we mentioned. But, yes. uh, of course, if you are listening to us, on or via uh audio podcast, you can just slide into our DMs. So Liam, where could they yes. do that?
1: Uh you can do that on Twitter at, at supercoach underscore edge. Uh you can even comment on the uh thread, I guess, for this um for this podcast. Uh Facebook, Instagram, you find us at Supercoach Edge. Um, and if you want to hit us up individually on Twitter, you can reach us at Damon at, at damonj 88 and myself at, at Liam Evans underscore ninety-five. I don't know why I say you can reach David at, at demoj eighty eight. Like they think that that's going to be my. Shouldn't that be obvious? Anyway, sorry. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. These gotcha. are the things I think about at uh <laughs> at three o'clock in the morning,
2: <laughs> as you're waking up in a cold sweat, thinking about butters burning yeah. you multiple times. Yeah. I oh, was an LDU yeah. or both. No, nice. yeah.
1: Well, a little bit of both, but I feel a bit better about butters.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, very nice. Well, thanks so much, of course, for tuning in as always, and. uh, We'll catch you all to do it again in the next tip. So we'll see you then. See
0: you guys.